At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Okay, so you're going to hear later in this episode that I screwed this up the first time, but Tim, I really want you to intro the show because Alex doesn't like how I do it. All right, you know what? I'm going to start it how I want to start it, which is hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to Off Track. It's the way to do it. Now, I'm going to do something we don't do enough. I'm producer Tim. I'm joined by James Hinchcliffe and Alexander Rossi. Uh, you know, the, so people can put a name. Did you a learn name my name for the, voice. the first time today? I know. I messed it up. I had the chance to shine and I messed it up because I was going to call you Alex and I was like, yeah, that's like why we do Alexander. And then it's there. Now I see. Now I see why I don't get to do this much. I, yeah, we <laughs> when don't. When man. have you ever called me Alexander? I know. I, I panicked, Alex. I panicked. Okay. okay. <laughs> he was trying to do what you thought because all, all, your, all your handles are Alexander and you're officially Alexander, but. Okay, that's nice. Remember that guy on the internet who insisted that you you insisted on being called Alexander? I, I remember yeah. that someone was criticizing how I like to be called, which is fascinating to me. But yeah. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about our problems today, James. We're not going to talk about motorsports really at all. We are going yeah. to welcome back what is personally between the three of us one of our favorite two-part episodes uh that we've ever had on this this podcast and um thanks to producer tim we actually were able to get him back so uh let's say a big warm welcome to uh, what's his name again and what does he do (laughs) alex just really doesn't want to talk about barber uh yeah we are welcoming back john green and what does he do He's he's a writer and a podcaster and just an like, all around swell guy. All around great, great guy. guy, but like really weird name for his book, right? Or book. Fault in Our Stars? No, no, Anthropocene. Oh, Anthropocene. Anthropocene. Yeah. Well, check it out, guys. Way <laughs> to be a dick about it. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, you seem like a really nice guy. I'll prove that wrong." <laughs> Tim, I have an idea. I think that you should introduce the show today because Alex doesn't like the way I do it. Apparently, well, I'm just like I, I just don't like anything <laughs> about it. To be honest, this whole this fair. whole thing that we do. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just I'm really excited that we got a uh, we got John Green back today because when we first interviewed him, I mean we're we're back from the break now. We've already done the intro, James. Oh, we, we have. Oh, I thought. Order. Yeah, we oh, record this right. out of order. Okay. All right. I'm I just excited because the last time. John, you came on the podcast. I was in the airport in D.C. with a delayed flight, so I was listening in, but I didn't get to be a part of it at all. And I felt like it was one of our better episodes. And I Probably don't want to say we had to turn it into two episodes. <laughs> yeah, it was a two-part spectacular. I really appreciated, <laughs> you know, not... I, I haven't I haven't been so honored by by an interview in a long time. It was really fun. It was I had a I had a great time. It was really fun to talk with y'all, and I actually took some of the stuff that I learned from our conversation and used it in um, in, in fantasy. The Anthropocene. No, not in my fantasy <laughs> league. You, 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 y'all have never taught me anything that was helpful in my fantasy <laughs> league. But 
but you just don't uh, pick I, them. I used a couple of things that um, I have used uh, that ended up in I, I I learned a couple of things that I that ended up in the Anthropocene reviewed book. So the book that I ended up writing is different for our conversation. So I'm very uh, I'm very grateful for that. That is very cool. That's. Uh, right. Dare I ask what it was you? you <laughs> <laughs> well, there were there were two things. So in in the book, there are reviews of the Indianapolis 500, and there is also a review yes. of the video game Super Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. And I learned a little bit about Super Mario Kart strategy from from y'all about hitting the apex of the turn while drifting that I did not previously <laughs> know. And um, and then just learning from you about the history of the Indy 500 and, and the context in which you see it as as drivers, um, I, I informed the book. And in fact, you're both mentioned in the uh, in the notes section. I, I thank you both. Not you, Tim. Sorry. Ah, you know what? Story of my life. <laughs> totally fine. That's uh, that's cool. I will definitely be getting this. But I mean, I've I've heard all of the. Th I know you said that there are reviews in the book that weren't on the podcast. So yeah, I know yeah. I'll at least be reading something new. Well, so all right. Well, I guess let's let's reset a bit because we're we're getting a bit ahead. Um, hi John, how are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> it's been a weird year. How are y'all? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've left my house a year? slightly less than usual. <laughs> yes. Alex has uh, has learned how to balance his pH and how to fly airplanes, so that's neat. Wow! Yeah, Tim. Wow. Tim has progressed even further into um, irrelevancy yeah. and not getting yeah. haircuts. So I turned my bedroom no. into a movie theater. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it? It was no. What's the term from the races? He's non-essential. That's right. We yeah. essential. Essential. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, John, er, early on, um, even though they knew I was not coming to a race, somebody from IndyCar reached out to me to let me know that I was not considered essential. That's so always I nice to go. hear. I was like, yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to go anyway. Like, <laughs> it did really bring home to me. I mean, there's obviously there's been a, a lot to lament about the pandemic, but it has really brought home to me how genuinely inessential my work is. Like, like <laughs> really, uh, the, the, the world is okay without it. Um, and, and join the I, club. I, I was going to say, Judd, you, you inspire people. You, you know, you write things that people love to hear and it changes their lives. We literally drive in circles for a living. You want to talk about a non-essential profession. I'm not sure IndyCar driver could be yeah. any lower down the totem pole. I think I saw something on Twitter today that made me laugh. It was like writing tip. Are you struggling with a, a part in your writing? Maybe give up. There are enough writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I was thinking about that recently because in, in this, it, in the same way that it takes a certain amount of hubris to watch an IndyCar race and think like, you know what that race needs is me. Uh, it takes a certain amount of hubris to walk into a bookstore and, and think to yourself, you know what this place is missing? An, another <laughs> book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess you could kind of break that down for anything, though. So let's not all throw True ourselves enough. under the bus too badly. Right. Fair enough. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody, so, you know. So has has anything? Let's let's look at it a different way. In the last year, what's the what's the best or most positive thing that's come out of the? You know, I don't say twenty twenty because we're kind of still there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, there hasn't been a there hasn't been a ton of silver linings for me, and I'm always a little suspicious of attempts to like bright side human suffering. But I I have enjoyed spending time with my family. It it was really good to spend a winter here 
uh, because I'm used to traveling a lot during the winter. And then when I am here, I just sit inside all day. And this year, I just felt like I had to get out. And so I learned how to be outside when it's cold, a, a, a skill set that I never had until <laughs> the pandemic. So that was good, I guess. And but and I've learned that a lot of the like work travel that I did is just not very important and I won't be doing it in the future. Like it's not like I have to fly to St. Petersburg this weekend to, to race cars for my job. Like I can do most of what I do from here in Indianapolis, which is also a nice thing to have learned about myself and my work. Did yeah. you get like a lot better at Mario Kart in this time? <laughs> Were you able to you know, what happened during this year, this was the year when my son inevitably passed me in Mario Kart skills. Right. Ooh, so that's, tough. that's a that's big hard. moment. I yeah. would say in, in March of 2020, I, I would sometimes let him win. And then by like June, I was like, I don't want to let him win anymore because the, <laughs> the day may be coming where I never win again. And by September, indeed, the day arrived and I have not beaten him in probably six months. <laughs> Like occasionally, I'll, you know, like I'll get a red turtle shell on the last lap or something and take him out. But that's that's my only chance. Right. You got to hold on to that really good item in the box until the <laughs> yeah. last lap. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's uh, as a father, that's got to be a big uh, a big moment. Yeah. That'll it's never great. happen for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's great when your kids uh, grow up. But, you know, a part of that also is, of course, that they're kind of growing away from you. You know, they're growing into their own lives. And, and that's a sort of it's this heartbreaking joy. Uh, it's a complicated emotion for sure. So where does that rank on like your son being taller than you? I, I bet it would be similar. Although my, I don't know that my son ever will be taller than me. Um, oh, no? I mean, maybe he will be, but he's, he's a lot shorter than me now, but he is only <laughs> 11. So it's, it's a little too early to, <laughs> it's a little too early to celebrate. It's similar though, because you know, like they just, I, it's, when I was when I was a kid, like I never knew that I I never understood any part of the being a parent part of the parent child relationship. I only ever saw it from my perspective until I became a parent. But it must be it it must be so weird to have adult kids because you still worry. I'm sure you still worry about them in the same way, and you still have this like intense, deep love for them. But they're like doing their own thing and you have like no <laughs> say in their choices whatsoever. This is weird. It's what you have to look forward to, Tim. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I have a seven year old. Uh, oh, okay. Right behind nice. Me, so. <laughs> nice. Um, so the, uh, you mentioned Anthropocene reviewed, uh, and the upcoming book. Do we know when the book is officially being released? Yeah. The book comes out on May 8th. 2021 so, so yeah for, for those that didn't listen to the podcast <clears throat> your podcast what what is an anthropocene <laughs> so it's a it's me a, being one of them of i should have yeah. i should have really given the podcast and the book like a name that people could spell and or remember <laughs> and pronounce yeah yeah <laughs> That's a real, that's a real shortcoming. Like you know tough when they go in the Barnes and Noble marketing challenge, right? And they're like, "I want to read this. I want to find this book. What's it called, sir?" Oh, well, oh boy, I tell you. Antler kerosene review. can you type that in? No. Yeah. So it's about um, it's a series of essays in which I review different things about 
human life on a five-star scale. So it's sort of like a series of extremely in-depth Yelp reviews. And in one episode, <laughs> I might write a review about Super Mario Kart. And in another episode, I might write a review about cholera and the history of like humanity's response to cholera. So it's a pretty broad ranging. It's really an excuse for me to write about whatever I, I, I find interesting. Uh, whenever I would recommend the podcast people, which was often, I'd always say, yeah, he reviews things. The uh, the one about Googling strangers made me cry. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, you think it's an essay about like how weird it is that we can Google anybody and find out lots of information about them, but then it's secretly an essay about uh, my uh, my time as a, as a hospital chaplain. So there's a lot of essays that are like that because I wanted oh, yeah. to try to find places where you know, my little life and my, you know, tiny sliver of human experience, like bumps up against these huge forces that we are all subjected to, whether that's, you know, shifts in technology, uh, these big historical forces, uh, shifts in humanity's relationship to uh, machines, all kinds of things. In fact, like, that's one of the things I wanted, to one of the reasons I wanted to write about the Indy 500 is because, I mean, I realize that this is not like what most of us are thinking about most of the time when we're watching racing, but these are and have been for over a hundred years attempts to like figure out how humans will interact with machines and how we can interact with machines more effectively and, you know, what the proper relationship is between humans and machines. And that's part of what makes racing so fascinating is that it's both this like incredible human athletic feat and it's this, you know, immense engineering feat. Can we get you to do some of the marketing for IndyCar and NBC? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that they would really like my marketing strategy of like what you need is you need to like really like hyper over intellectualize it. That's that's what IndyCar <laughs> is missing. Like hyper analysis. Go the opposite of the NASCAR route. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love racing, but wish it were more literary. <laughs> I mean, three syllables, not enough. IndyCar is a little more intellectual than NASCAR. Like objectively, I grew up in Alabama. I grew up going to the, you know the races down there and. I, I, I like NASCAR, but it, IndyCar is objectively better. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah it is. Right. I mean, it, like, I, I'm sure y'all would take uh, rides if, if they were offered to you, but like, it, I, I prefer IndyCar. I, I think I remember going down to Phoenix when IndyCar returned there, and I was checking into the hotel, and the, the, the person doing the check-in was like, you guys are a lot different than when NASCAR's in town. <laughs> it's like I, I guess I'll take that as a compliment. I feel like, I, it was meant to swan. Um, Tim, I feel like NASCAR fans also go and get blackout drunk at Applebee's, though. Yeah, no, yes. but I'm not the normal IndyCar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that you, part I was right on par, but I did it with a shirt on. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I've been to a few Applebee's in my day. Yeah, yeah. they're a good, good time. time. Yeah. So, so did you did you have this idea to start reviewing things had you already been reviewing things in secret and just were you a gold member on yelp at the time? <laughs> <laughs> were you well, a super raider on yelp so when i was when i was first starting out in my career i worked at a book review journal this was like back in like the year 2000 to 2005 and i was mostly doing data entry for that magazine, but I did also sometimes review books. And, and I, so I wrote hundreds and hundreds of 175 word book reviews. 
And this was before the kind of explosion of everyone becoming a reviewer of everything. This was before there were five-star ratings applied to books, really. This was before there were five-star ratings applied to, uh, you know, haircuts and restaurants and everything else that we apply them to now. And so I think in some ways, like I was trying to go back to my past, like trying to go back to when I was younger, uh, what I found fascinating about like the format of the review, but also trying to reckon with the strangeness that now, like, I mean, IndyCar is rated on, on a five-star scale. Like you go to each of these racetracks and they're all rated on a five-star scale by hundreds of people. When my brother and I were, part of what inspired the podcast and the book was that when I was on tour for my book, Turtles All the Way Down, my brother and I were like touring around the country in a, in a bus and uh, we would like drive through national parks and we would read aloud to each other the one-star reviews of <laughs> national parks, like Badlands National Park. One, one user said, gave it one star and said, not enough mountain. <laughs> and the idea that you can review like Yellowstone and be like, nah, it's not for me. It's, it's just so weird. It's so fascinating. So that's, I've, that's really what inspired the book. I, I've never thought it broken down like that, but it really does make you think that there should be limits on who's allowed to review things. Yeah. And also maybe on like what is allowed to be reviewed, like the, the, my my book, The Fault in Our Stars, was turned into a movie, and part of the movie was filmed in Amsterdam, and part of the part that was filmed in Amsterdam was filmed on a bench, and the bench has like eight hundred Google reviews, and it's just a bench. Like there's nothing. It's just a bench. Are people it's, like commenting looks, on the realism of the bench, or they're, like they're, how close it was represented the, in the movie? Some of the one star reviews are like, I didn't like the movie. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but that's not a review of the bench. <laughs> Don't hate on the bench. Yeah, it's not the benches, but the bench didn't do anything wrong. And some the of the five star reviews, yeah, some of the five star reviews are like, I love the movie. And I'm like, again, it's not the bench. <laughs> I'm a big fan of reading the uh, uh, one star Yelp reviews of strip clubs. Oh, gosh. Because uh, they're always, there's always a great story. That's, I can see that. Yeah, I think my favorite was one guy was really upset that one in Atlanta stopped offering takeout. <laughs> this guy, this guy didn't want to have to go in, but he food really liked or... their food. Oh, okay, just say takeout food, or <laughs> I, I've had to get, I've had to uh, just to change the subject really uh, elegantly, Tim. I've had to um, uh, get takeout much more, not um, from those particular establishments, but I've had to get takeout from. Uh, <laughs> just in general more in the last in the last year and i i don't like it i want to go back one of the last times i was at a restaurant i think in fact the last time i was inside of a restaurant like without a mask on and had a normal experience i was with not with i was i will say that i was i was with james hinchcliffe and connor daly they were yeah. eating at oh, a different no. table but i did see them <laughs> yes and I remember thinking at that at that dinner, I remember thinking, I wonder if like things are about to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> because you were in the same restaurant as them? Or no, no, no. Just the pandemic no, just, was coming. The, like the pan there were little there were little whispers of the pandemic, right. you know? Right. And and I remember like looking across at, at James and Connor having their having their dinner and thinking, how do you do this if like there's a there's a disease floating about and the answer is that you you don't take take out the answer is take, <laughs> take, out. take out take out <laughs> take out and zoom that's pretty much how that goes yeah uh, i why i got a question 
and this is something that, so I remember something about uh, that, that encounter at the restaurant. Uh, we were talking about the Anthropocene Review and I had said that it was like a goal of mine because I, I was like a religious listener. And I said that it was a goal of mine to get a topic, you know, like submit a topic to the email account and have it reviewed. And I don't know if I'm, we can cut this if I'm getting you in trouble here, but you admitted to me that what you liked to do was think of something you wanted to do anyway, and then just go through the email list until you found someone that had suggested that and then thank yeah. them on the episode <laughs> yeah. for that review. That's not getting me in trouble. That definitely is something that I did a lot. I didn't okay. do it every time. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people would email me with an idea that was so good. Like an example of this is that is somebody emailed me and they said, you should review the Taco Bell breakfast menu. And initially I was like, that's a terrible idea. Tim, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> initially I was like, there's nothing interesting about the Taco Bell breakfast menu, but it turns out that actually like the formation of Taco Bell is fascinating. And it's also really interesting that Taco Bell chose not to serve breakfast until way after most other uh, fast food restaurant chains started serving breakfast. And so I ended up writing that review and I never would have written it if someone hadn't suggested it. But a lot of times, I would be like, well, I want to review Super Mario Kart. I wonder if anyone, I can't remember if anyone has emailed to suggest that. So let me search for it in email. And then so I would. So, James, think. James, what did you email it? Well, here's the problem. You like, never I, did. I, I never did because yeah. I, I sat there like always thinking any ideas I came up with weren't good enough. They weren't worthy of John Green to be reviewing these on yeah. the show. You didn't now, have I any take, Taco Bell breakfast. I, I, didn't, I didn't. I never would have thought. But <laughs> I take some solace in the fact of, you know, that we helped formulate the Super Mario Kart and the Indianapolis 500 uh, reviews. For sure. But I, I just thought of the one that I would have submitted. What is it? a five star scale that's why good. five why five stars that's a silly number it should be 10 stars it should be an even number it is it is a really weird thing i know a little bit about it i don't know a ton about it and i i maybe i will end up writing that because it, i i do think it's really interesting but it was initially used it, it it was initially used for film criticism and i i think the reason that we settled on five in the end was the silly reason that like four is not enough and six is too many. <laughs> like, um, you know, like it could have been anything. And there there actually were like long periods of time where it wasn't standardized in film criticism. So some people were reviewing out of 10 and some people were reviewing out of four. And some people would just put one star on a review when they were like, this is really good. It gets a star. But then people started to think like one star, that sounds terrible. Yeah, so, yeah. It's an question. Doing thumbs, you know, two thumbs up or down. Two thumbs up. I mean, yeah, like there were a lot thing, of yeah. there were a lot of scales for a long time, and like even now, like you'll go to sometimes you'll go to like a four diamond triple A uh, hotel, and you'll be like, "This is nice." Like, I I don't well, need five well, I don't need five diamonds. Is that <laughs> not well? Isn't isn't that my impression was always that it was triple A. And kind of their restaurant, when, when that kind of took over the world in terms of defining what a good restaurant is, it, it was a five-star restaurant. It's the best restaurant in the world. And then the Michelin kind of stars came on top of that. Was that not the original? Oh, maybe. I, it because then well what be. followed was hotels and then the internet happened. And But I, yeah. I feel like the, the AAA kind of five Where does Applebee's the rank on that? I Negative think Applebee's one. is pro probably <laughs> good. One point two, two and a half, two and a half. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I enjoy the deals at Applebee's, and mm. 
I, I also enjoy the consistency. Like I set a bunch of turtles all the way down at Applebee's and I kind of made fun of it. And then some people at Applebee's reached out to me and they were like, we know you come to Applebee's. Like, <laughs> why, are you, why are you making fun of Applebee's? I've seen, you, I've seen you at the Applebee's at 86th and Ditch, big guy. <laughs> Probably sitting there writing that book. <laughs> yeah. I just love the idea that like somebody at corporate Applebee's is like, heard you talking What's yeah. up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When I Googled you, you're a loyalty member. We got you in the system. Frank L. Applebee's is going to break your legs. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. there, a, what was your, I mean, this might be an impossible question. What was your favorite thing that you reviewed or like, what was the topic that you reviewed where you learned something completely that you weren't expecting or what was the one that sort of stands out? Uh, there, there are a few that are really uh, special to me. One that, one that really, I mean, the Indy 500 one was actually really interesting to write because I initially wrote it uh, back in, I don't know, like maybe 2019 before the pandemic. And then when I was writing the book, I rewrote all the reviews and uh, all the essays to try to make them respond to the moment in which I find myself. And it was just really interesting to revisit that review and think about how I situated all these things in the present tense. Like everybody has their race day traditions. You know, you wake up at a certain time, you meet up with a certain group of people, you do this certain, you do this certain set of things, you listen to back home again in Indiana, there's the parade laps, and all of that I'm telling you in the present tense because there's this sense of continuity about traditions. That's what makes tradition special is that it happened in the past, yes, but it like is also going to happen in the present and it will happen in the future. And and doing that as a way of celebrating and acknowledging not just the people that you're with, but also this long line of people before you. When I go to the Indy 500, I think about the fact that my grandfather went to the Indy 500, that my dad went to the Indy 500 when he was like five and six years old. And so there's that sense of continuity of present tenseness. And then this year, that continuity was ruptured. And I think that's a huge part of why the loss was so... I mean, putting obviously the, the the central the central loss is 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 the human loss, the human suffering. But there was also all this other loss, the loss of you know uh, graduations and proms and other other wonderful celebrations. And and I think some of that is because we we have this sense of continuity that was suddenly ruptured. You know, for for a lot of us, for the first time in our lives, certainly for me, for the first time in my life. And what do you do, what do you do about that? Like, how do you get back? into a sense of normalcy. Like I'll confess that when I, I mean, we actually bike to the, to the track like we usually do on the same Sunday when we usually bike to the track, but it was the oh, cool. saddest. It was so <laughs> sad to like get there and there's empty parking lots and the gates are literally chained shut and it's silent and eerie. And then when I, you know, when I watched the race in August, like it was, it was nice to be able to see racing. It was nice to be able to see the track, but it did not feel the same at all. I don't know how it had felt for y'all, but it certainly didn't feel the same at all for me. And and so for for me, that essay became a way of trying to wrestle with this rupture of continuity and what we're going to do about it. And it also became this kind of yearning, uh, aching feeling of I want that continuity back. Like whenever I hope it's I hope to hell it's next month, but whenever the next time is that. I'm able to relive those experiences with the people I, I, I relive them with every year. It's just going to feel so wonderful. 
And you've you've got a really cool like tradition that your your race day tradition was one of the more elaborate and cool ones of the ones I've heard. It's 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 rather elaborate. We we all bike to the race. Like my friends and I have done this for I don't know 15 years probably. And there's a huge group of people who bike to the race every year and we're just one small subsection of them. But yeah, we bike to the race. There's a Two of my uh, friends have a one-mile foot race every year at the Butler track at seven o'clock in the morning, and we we gamble on who is going to win. Um, and then, yeah, we 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 have all these stops along the bicycle route, and then we get to the race, and then we have this really special day watching the race, and then we all bike back together, and it's really lovely. And I missed that so so much. And obviously, there were a lot of things that that got. Uh, interrupted this year, but w- whichever the ones are that that are that are central to you are the ones that end up, you know, really being uh, part of your memory of this strange time. So, with with that being said, with it being such a, a special place and and you having such special memories, I, I mean, I think we can tell you on the inside track there are going to be fans allowed this year. Um, what that looks like is, is still kind of up in the air, but, but do you have plans to go? Or are you going to give it another year? What, what's your thoughts on the five? I mean, my my intention month? is to go, uh, I'll be fully vaccinated by then. And you know, my, my it, intention is to go. I, I have learned not to, uh, take a ton of stock in future plans, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so many times over the last year, I've been like, oh, if I can just get to X or if I can just get to Y and then you get to X and it doesn't happen. So I don't want to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch, but I, I certainly, I would like to go. And my intention is to go assuming it's safe and open. Uh, I'll be there. That's awesome. That's good to hear. <laughs> Tim, Tim will still still not be essential, but I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're actually just going to move to get him permanently blacklisted. It's not even an essential oh, thing. I, honestly, hard, like, it's hard out I'm there hurt, but I understand. <laughs> well, well, here's the, well, here's the thing. I mean, technically, you were Marco Andretti's body double, right? Yeah. And so, uh, he's going to be at Indy, though. So I guess you are. Yeah, technically yeah. I think I can. There. I think I can work my way into that one. Yeah, you're super but, not but needed anywhere else, but. No, but here's an interesting thing, James. I haven't won a race since Tim's been there or hasn't been there. I mean, I'm free this weekend. I can come to Florida if I can get on one of your lists. Is that true? <laughs> interesting. That is, that is a fact, yes. You've only <laughs> won races when Tim's there. No, but I have not won since Tim has not been at the track. Oh, okay. Okay, I see That's saying. the expert advice that I give him before each race. Right, I've right. I've been missing. He so used to John, last, right year, before, last year he, he would he would FaceTime me on the grid. Now he doesn't even do that. So yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. Right before he won the Indy 500, I, I pulled Alex aside on the grid and just said, Hey, um, don't uh don't turn right. That's great. So I, I mean, would like really to get good. some credit. Yeah. On that. <laughs> yeah. But I always like to say to drivers James should have because I also feel like I have wisdom to impart that's gonna help them in their careers. <laughs> I I, I won't name names, but I am completely fat. Like I, I know a couple of uh, drivers uh, casually because like their kids know my kids or whatever. And well, actually that, that does lower it. And I'm, I'm always <laughs> fascinated by how, uh, how people talk to them. And I, I'm sure this happens to you where like, first off, like people have an assumption that, uh, 
that 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 their input on your on your job is needed even if they don't know you which is weird <laughs> like but secondly there's like like i was i was at a, i was at a thing once and i overheard someone talking to this driver and the person was saying you know what you just need to break a little earlier into this turn in the um in the indie grand prix track and i wanted to turn around and be like are you kidding me <laughs> like in what world in what world in what world is is that actually like how 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 do you think that's gonna help what's your thought process that gets yeah. you from i think this person needs my opinion on what to do in this particular scenario of or which like, i have zero experience right it's like if i go up to an indianapolis colt and i'm like i've noticed that when you're doing your <laughs> offensive line work you could do this with your footwork i don't know yeah. i think if you ran the 40 faster that would be a good thing <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and work on that would yeah you? it's better when you, it's better when you catch the ball than right when you yeah. drop it yeah. <laughs> try that yeah no it's it's uh you do get that from time to time you do get the uh the unsolicited advice uh, and you know, in career counseling from time to time, but it's it's entertaining. It's phenomenal. It's it's really special. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy the interactions you know with people most of the time. So especially when they're critiquing um, what they view is is my performance is is really cool. <laughs> yeah, like the, the after the fact, right? Like the the so there's there's the there's the pre race you know pep mm, talk that you get right. right? So this is how I think you should do it. But then there's also the the immediately afterwards on Twitter being like, well, this is how you should have done it, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> or why did yeah. you do this without knowing any context as to anything that's happening? Not only that, like if you've ever been inside of a go kart, like I I, I don't know what it's like to drive an Indy car, but I've driven a go kart before, and if you've ever been inside of a go kart, like. I don't know what happens to, to y'all when you're driving, obviously you're highly trained professionals, but like when I'm in a go-kart, I'm just in a blind panic. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, my, my, my head's not doing anything. Like if there's somebody in a go-kart three inches away from me and we're both driving 30 miles an hour, like I, I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm thinking. Like I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you afterwards. Like sometimes you'll hear interviews with drivers, and they'll be like, "Well, here's what I was thinking in that moment," and I'm like, "That's a, that's amazing that you were thinking anything. Like it's <laughs> such a high pressure, incredibly tense situation." Years of practice, my friend. Years oh, of practice. God, yeah. I that's... would not. I would not. I would not relish that. Uh, I, I would find that job challenging for sure. So speaking of the Monday morning quarterbacking on on the internet, we we saw that you have have abandoned Twitter. Yeah. Um, what what went into that decision? Is your life better because of it now? <laughs> yeah. um, what are your thoughts? Dying I mean, to know how much happier you are. Yeah, as, yeah we've talked far, about a lot about how much we all hate Twitter. Yeah, I mean, as far as why I abandoned Twitter, Alex, like I, I think, you know, for the obvious reasons. <laughs> it, was, it was bad for me as an individual, but then I also don't know that it's great for the social order. Like, sure. so if there are things that are bad for me as an individual, but are like making the world a lot better, you know, maybe I can try to like gut it out. And, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that Twitter is, I, I think there are a lot of upsides to being able to have big public conversations that are, that are include a lot of people. Um, the problem is that at least for me, I find it almost impossible not to respond to baiting. Like if people, you, they know what they're doing and it works, right? Like when people say things about you online that are cruel and especially when they are um, 
they know where to they know where to hit you in your vulnerable spots, you know, and then they hit you there and and you lash out, you react. But when when I lash out and react, what I'm not thinking about is the fact that like I'm not lashing out as a as a peer. I'm not lashing out as like somebody who is also an internet troll with you know, seven followers. I'm lashing out as somebody who has a big audience that may pile on this person in ways that are going to make their life worse and like not make my life better. And I'm lashing out in a way that like, frankly, doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of person I want to be because I'm in that moment, I'm feeling that sort of like anger and rage and, and fear and, and hurt. And so if I don't see those things, I don't, have those feelings, you know, and my friend, like in my daily life, like if I go to Target and somebody recognizes me, like very, very, very rarely will they be like, I hate your books, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and so wait, very rarely or never, like, has this happened in person? It happened once. Um, one time somebody said to me, it was a great comment, actually. <laughs> they said, um, are you John Green? I said, yes. And they said, I read your book, Looking for Alaska. And I said, okay, thank you. And then they said, I really liked the first half, but I thought this, the second half was just terrible. And I was like, okay, all right. And that's, that was about it. But then immediately afterwards, like you always do, I thought of the perfect comeback, which would have been, I really liked the first half of your comment. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've been carrying that around for the last like so now you gotta find years. this guy. Right. Yeah, yeah right. Track, track him down and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got remember, it. remember 15 years ago? I got it. I got it. I got well, it. Well, let's let's hope he's an off-track listener and now he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean almost always in real life people are nice. And then on, on the internet, people are often not as nice. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that, but yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I, I mean, are y'all on Twitter like regularly? Do you see responses and does it does it hurt? Um, we, we are on Twitter. I am on Twitter purely because it's kind of a requirement uh, yeah. that, that we are. I don't really read it a whole lot, um, but the ones that I do, most comments about me are negative, um, but that's been the case. <laughs> are they really? For the, for the majority of my life, John. So I'm that's quite accustomed true. to it. I don't mind it. It's totally not fun. most. I get it from 40%. James. I get it are from you Tim. Like, are, are you this. like, a, I, I guess I don't know enough about like the 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 starting grid is that what it's called the paddock what, sure. do, what do you call it yeah i guess i don't know enough about the community to know are you like uh like a like a heel in wrestling like are you like a villain he uh, he he's the anti-hero you know he's like uh really? yeah people cheer for him but like he's angry a lot mm. i've always felt Indy, like indycar Indy came up with like taglines for all of us but oh, it sounds excruciating but but mine mine that they that they whizzed up over in that in that marketing department was um people love him and then people love to hate him oh yeah I, I, I mean i so, i'll tell I you 50 I, 50 i've never i've never felt that way you've always seemed like a you've always seemed like a pretty reasonable person to me but like i i, I don't i i don't know i like in in interviews you're not like a jerk usually i usually yeah. I mean, Whereas James, get... James, James, see, people compare. The, the problem is <laughs> IndyCar fans compare all of us to James Hinchcliffe and Elio Castroneves, who no matter what is happening, sun is shining, birds are chirping, dolphins are reproducing, everything is really good. <laughs> and, Rainbows 
are everywhere. Yes. And, and so when they talk to me and it's like, not that they're like, Oh, this guy isn't appreciative and he hates his life. And, and, you know, fair enough, but like James sets a very high benchmark for all of us. And it's just, it's quite frankly, it's ridiculous. (laughs) But shouldn't you be allowed to feel anxious or to feel upset or to feel frustrated and sad and, and be that in public? So I do that. Yeah. 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 Because I, I think like if the expectation is that, you know, public figures are always are perpetually going to be grateful for their good fortune. Like, I mean, of course you you have a lot to be grateful for. There's no question about Absolutely. it. And like, and, and that's, that's always true, but, but your problems are still your problems. Like this is something I had to like learn. It doesn't really do me any good to be like, well, I'm really lucky. I am really, I am really lucky and I need to be grateful and I need to like cultivate that. And I need to be mindful of that all the time. And I need to have it orient my life and everything, but I still have problems and my problems are still my problems. And, and in a way like this, uh, this matrix we use of you deserve this, you don't deserve this is like the wrong way to look at things. I think, because like, I do not deserve any of the wonderful things that have happened to me, but like, I also don't deserve to have severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Like I don't deserve either of those things. It's more like deserving isn't the right lens through which to to view it. And and so I I do sometimes get defensive when when people are like, um, you know, you you have everything, why are you still sad? I don't know, but I am. Like it's something I can't, you know, like I can't fix it. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's it's it can be unhelpful i think to hear like don't be ungrateful like well but i have the problems i have and like also like y- y'all's careers are are freaking tense you know there's a lot at stake there is there's a lot of pressure there's a lot at stake there's a lot of people that have put a lot of effort into you being there to do your job which everyone on a race team because it is a team it's it takes a an incredible group of people to get a race car on the track we've talked about that a lot on the show and it's everyone's job is as important as everyone else's. It's just ours is a lot more public. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more visible. So mistakes are a lot more visible. Uh, Successes are a lot more visible. So you're you're praised and you're also sort of hated on a little more aggressively than any other member of the team. But you know, that's just, that's part of it. But I, I like, I just don't read a lot. Like I just don't read that stuff. You know, I think, everybody you know everybody can have an opinion but nobody has all the information or the exact information that you had in the moment that you did something or made a decision or whatever so their their view on it is is it's objective and it's it's subjective and it doesn't it doesn't really matter it doesn't apply so i just I let people have their own opinions even if i think they're wrong and want to fight back but it's just not worth it cuz some of these that people is... you can't reason with them right so you're yeah. what's the point that is the that is the enlightened view. I wish I could take it. <laughs> See, this is this is why I like arguing with Alex because Alex can be reasoned with. Alex right. and I can have very different opinions on something and have what for our relationship would be considered an argument, right? But whoever has the more thought out intellectual you know side of the debate at the end of the day will prevail and the other one has enough common sense to be like yeah, okay, you you win that one. I I will concede that because I always hated the mom and dad there. fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's usually about you, and yes, it's your fault. 
<laughs> That's what my parents said. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Getting very, okay. very off track now. Therapy um, session. So just touching on something quickly, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer just because of well, nobody can really get into Canada at the moment. But mm-hmm. the last time you were on the show, you shared with us why you're really not allowed back in Canada. And you know, I, I tried to send a tweet ironically to Justin Trudeau and, and let him know that, yeah, you're not a bad guy, but I assume you haven't managed to get back since. No, I mean, I, I've, I've been to Canada since I was on the show, but I go through the same, I, whatever you sent to Justin Trudeau was unsuccessful. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he has other priorities as the, as the leader of a nation of 14 people, but somehow he hasn't managed <laughs> to get me off the, the unwanted How do we list. make our money dumber? Um, <laughs> I maintain our money is better. Uh, it's color coordinated. I mean, if you're you, visually you, impaired and you're imagine, trying to pay for something. Yeah, no, that that it's not it's not in braille. That is, that is great. That is great. That's not what I have an issue with. I have an issue with claiming to be an independent nation and putting another nation's sovereign on on your money. Yeah, well, I mean, she that. can dissolve their parliament, so they're not that independent. <laughs> we're part of the commonwealth it's fine we look liz is a great lady she's been very good to us great kisser uh so john there is something i wanted to bring up last time and i know you you have a heart out so we'll let you go here soon but uh i just a, a personal story about how fault in our stars affected uh, my life my daughter was born at the end of 2013 and we were trying to determine a name and I wanted a traditional name. Her mom wanted a name not a lot of people had. I had not read Fault in Our Stars at this point. So I suggested Hazel because it wasn't that common of a name yet. So we went with that. She was born the last day of 2013, New Year's Eve. Fault in Our Stars came out six months later. Hazel, as a popular name, went from 157th in 2013 to, I think, like 38th in 2015. Really? So uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can take full credit for that, but I, you can. I, have, I have always liked that name. Um, it was on our it was on our short list. I mean, this is this happens a lot with books where like it's you know, I, I, I tend to pick names I like for whatever reason. I mean, in Hazel's case, I wanted a name that Hazel's a great name for a kid like that because she's in between being a kid and being adult and she's in between all these other spaces and hazel's kind of an in-between color but like i i've always liked that name and when we uh when our first child was it was a boy and and we named him henry i was like well i guess we're not going to ever use hazel um because we didn't want to like have have same letter names mm-hmm. so so it, it was freed up and then i <laughs> and i used it in the fall Night stars and you rocketed it up over 100 positions on the most I, popular I, name list Again, I don't know if I can take full credit for that. I feel like the I feel like the momentum might have been gathering uh, before before I got a hold of the name. So, so Tim, do you like when when people are like, "Oh, what's your daughter's name?" and you're like, "Hazel," but I named her before. <laughs> I just figure she's gonna be she's gonna have like six months on the rest of the Hazels. She'll be yeah, the slightly yeah. oldest Hazel. She'll always be an older <laughs> Hazel. She'll yeah, be the trendsetter. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for joining us again. It's always uh, you. You were two of our favorite episodes so far on the show. And, uh, and it's great to have you back on. Um, just quickly, before we let you go, uh, I, you sort of teased on the podcast that it was paused or on hold. Do you see it coming back or is it, it is going to of... come back? Yeah. Oh, so it's wonderful. It's coming back for, uh, for four episodes, uh, this spring and summer, 
Uh, so, so wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the title, the Anthropocene <laughs> reviewed. I wish I could tell you how to spell it, but I, I need spell check myself. So <laughs> but yeah, it, it is coming back for four episodes to celebrate the release of the book on May 18th. And, um, and then after that, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll keep doing it. I love, I love doing it. And it's, it's brought me so much joy. It's been the first really, it's the first time I've ever written for myself. You know, like in the past, I've always written books for other people, for audiences uh, who are pretty different from me, a lot of times, you know, younger. And and this time has been really, I have been writing for myself and that's been scary in some ways, but also really lovely. And so who knows, I might I might keep doing it because I do, I do value it a lot and um, have a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Well, we look forward to those episodes. We look forward to the book, May 18th. It is uh, it is launched. I'm gonna personally get the audiobook because you said you're narrating it, right? I am, yeah. So yeah, just, you can. I just, just feel like it sounds better coming from you than whatever voices are in my head. Great, you can listen to my one note monotony all day long. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate the chance to be on with you guys, and um, I, uh, I I I admire you both a lot, and uh, and you, Tim, and. <laughs> I look forward to uh, um, to a great uh, season of racing and hopefully the return of normal life. And we'll see you at the 500. Likewise. Yes. Sir. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, thanks very okay. much. Thanks, thanks for having Thank you. All right. Take care. Once again, big thanks to John Green for coming on the show again. Uh, as Alex said at the top, you know, one of our favorite guests we've had on. And uh, look forward to the book coming out, the podcast, a few more episodes, and him and other people at the Indianapolis 500. Sorry we didn't get to Barber, guys. I guess you're going to get a Barber St. Pete 2 for next week. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm actually going to listen to a podcast for once in my life. Are you going to listen to the Anthropocene Review? Yeah, I'm not going to listen to Off Track with Hinton Rossi. No, 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 no. I assumed it wasn't You definitely should listen to Anthropocene yeah, no, Review. It sounds really cool. It's, yeah. it's way better. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.